Hello, and welcome to the Everything Publishing Podcast, brought to you by Self-Publishing Services, the industry leader in author services and independent publishing. Today, you're here with me, Danica Winters, and I am a Publishers Weekly, Nielsen Bookscan, Walmart, Amazon, and Kobo bestselling author of over 20 novels. In addition to writing for divisions within HarperCollins, Simon & Schuster, and Macmillan, I am also a successful hybrid author. I'm the owner and business director of Self-Publishing Services, a business I'm extremely proud of. And I have to say, my greatest source of pride is our outstanding customer service and the desire to be, first and foremost, our author's advocates. If you have any questions, comments, or requests after listening to this podcast, please contact our company at selfpublishingservices at gmail.com or find us on social media at sp underscore services or you can find me at Danica Winters. Hi, you're here today with Danica Winters, Claire Wood, and Melissa Tenley of Self-Publishing Services. And we want to talk to you about your characters and why they might suck. (laughs) (laughs) And true to form and true to brand, we are wine glasses in hand. Mm-hmm. Bring it together, Cheers, ladies. ladies. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to talk candidly and openly about what we love, what we hate, and what makes great characters. One of the misconceptions that I am always faced with is that the only great characters are heroes and heroines. Oh, I hate that. Absolutely untrue. Um, one because of the... heroes, because the villains are the heroes of their own stories. Mm-hmm. They absolutely are. And so... I have a little anecdote I want to start this uh, little podcast off with. And um, so I travel a lot. We travel a lot as a company. Um, and I was walking down a hallway, no kidding. And one of my favorite things to watch is men hitting on women. <laughs> Point blank. It is the best, most entertaining thing I can possibly do for my job. So this man walks up to these two women who are having this conversation. And he goes, hey, ladies, what are you two hens talking about? And I was just like... Oh my God, I hate this man. <laughs> um, and he literally would be the perfect antagonist in a book because in one line, in one statement, you hate him. Right. Yeah. And I think that that is one of those things that is often missed by writers. Yeah, I think there's sometimes this reliance on creating the physicality of a character that makes them the a scar bad guy. Yeah, the, right, it, yeah. right. And so it's nice to see a bad guy that can be attractive or, um, you know, in, in other ways, very normal appearing, but they open their mouth. Just like in real life, you see somebody who you think might be, you know, attractive, and then they open their mouth and you realize they're really not. There, yes, yes. Where's the expletive to explain that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, one of the things that came with this guy, and I don't really remember what he looks like or what the girls he was looking like or what they look like, but um, he absolutely set me off on the wrong course with him. Now, but what would make him a great character is if we could build him to be likable after this initial moment of dislike. Right, that flawed character that you can redeem throughout oh, the story. Absolutely. Now, from from that statement that what are you hens or what are you hens clucking about or what are you hens talking about? I don't think I could build a hero, <laughs> but I could definitely build an antagonist that is redeemable, and that is a 
big, big word in all genres of writing. Um, because here's the deal, like, heroes, heroines, antagonists should not be perfect. You know, point blank. If we are perfect, we are boring. And I think one mistake that authors make consistently, and especially new authors, is they make it too easy for their characters. Mm-hmm. They make them too likable. They make them too perfect. Um, humans are not perfect. We are flawed creatures. One of the things that they say that you need to do with your characters is figure out what would be the absolute worst thing that could happen to them and then have it happen. So if a person is afraid of going broke, all of a sudden she's got a shopping cart in her hand. If a person is afraid of um, whatever else, being married, all of a sudden she's married. Being abandoned. Or Mm -hmm. being abandoned. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think, like, Claire, what you've talked about with editing is that oftentimes what you'll see is people who start uh, too late in their story in terms of their character. Like, their character has already surpassed their arc you know right because the plot is driven by the character arc right they're pinnacle right and so when you start the story and your character's already perfect or you know has all of the things they need to succeed and be happy in life then clearly you're writing the wrong story you have a very (laughs) boring story because it's not going to go anywhere right all you were going to do is have the same character do the same things over and over again and do them well how interesting is that yeah Yeah. not at all talking heads and i've seen so many authors do that and it's so disappointing one of my least favorite tropes and i don't even know if it's a trope but i think of it as a trope is when you have and I see this a lot in some of the romances with with really alpha males. You have this female, this heroine who is like so humble and so perfect, <laughs> but she doesn't know that she is. But it's like, oh, I just accidentally kicked the gun out of that man's hand. And I'm just like, what? What? And it's like, it requires the hero to show her how amazing she is. That's not a character arc. actualized Right. That's, yeah. That is not a character arc. You need to start with someone who has weaknesses and help them learn from those and potentially overcome them. And it should be very, very painful. Yes. We need a black moat with your character that, like... Makes you makes the reader almost want to die of embarrassment for the character. It's like watching The Office. Oh my god, yes. Oh, okay, yeah. But I, there's so many shows that I'm like, I can't watch this because I, just I love die. Lucy. I cannot watch. I love Lucy, but I can't watch that for a different reason. <laughs> I cannot watch it because she. I feel so embarrassed for her. Right. It's but so that is hard. Such a good character, and that's why that show is timeless. Because there's so many cultural mores that do not translate now. But that is still such a popular show. And it mm-hmm. is because of the character, because of her character arc. And the thing is, with I Love Lucy, now my daughter loves this show. She's 13 years old. The thing about it is she never actually makes the character arc in that show, but we're always hoping that she does. <laughs> you know? And we always want to see her grow, but she just continually is embarrassed. <laughs> continually entertaining. And I think that that is true of human nature. Right. And, and maybe the fact that she does sort of changed by the end of the episode but then reverts back to who she is it's true human nature mm-hmm. outside of so we've talked about how you need to make your characters grow in your book and by having them uh, sometimes by having the worst thing that could happen to them happen to them how else can you make your characters have an arc how else do you accomplish that how else do you make a character have an arc um outside influences um one of the things that i always teach in all of my courses 
is the GMC. It's a Deborah Dixon philosophy um, about <laughs> every character needs a goal, motivation, and conflict for a story. And that is absolutely true. And that is not just true of your main character. I think that is true of all of the characters that you bring into a story. Now, do I think you need to do character interviews for your third-rate transient characters? Absolutely not. Right. But I think if you understand their motivations, that is key. Internal and external. Yes. Right. And I think one of the important things to keep in mind about that is, and something that can help you move through some of those complicated plot processes, is that that's not just for your book, that's for every scene in your book. Mm -hmm. You need that conflict in every scene. And if you're writing a scene and you're not sure where it's going or why it's boring, it could be that your character is just not challenged enough. It could be that they're not experiencing the growth opportunities. Yeah, and I, and I want to make the point that conflict is not tension, and tension is not conflict. Right. And having two people sitting at a coffee table at a restaurant is not conflict. It's not conflict. Unless one of them has a gun trained on the other person underneath the table. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and suddenly you're writing a thriller. Then, then it changes dynamic completely. But yes, absolutely. I mean, if you're having two people talk, that's tension. Mm -hmm. Conflict is typically external tension is typically internal and things that you are not saying it is your body language it is your character's body language and I'd, I'd like to say to our listeners go ahead and sit at starbucks or any other national coffee chain and listen to people what you hear is not conflict it is tension mm. the conflict has happened prior to whenever they're sitting there that's interesting. Yeah. Somebody is trying to persuade somebody else of some, to do something or not to do it. Or they're arguing over finances. But that's just... It's tension. Tension. Yes. And a good novel and a good character relies on tension to drive the story. And they rely on conflict to drive the tension to move the story. And what I think is interesting, too, is it doesn't always have to be these massive things like no. it can often be a super 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 small detail that just kind of strums that chord of discord I don't know what that analogy was but you know what I'm saying yeah like it, it's just that one little thing that really strikes them as drives the nail a challenge yeah drives the nail drives the nail and mm -hmm. yeah a handshake oh yeah. or you know what I was sitting here thinking about was um so I grow I'm married to a Texas man. My man is chivalrous, right? Mm -hmm. So I have grown accustomed to a man opening the door for me, right? Now, that may make me a princess, but I just like to think of it as spoiled. <laughs> but let's say my character expects that of a man. Mm. And so I, he, she expects him, let's say they're walking out of the date, and he doesn't open the door for her. That is a conflict, point mm. blank. Mm -hmm. Or he does, as it happened to my husband, who is also from Texas and is also chivalrous and who also um, spoils me. I'm not going to say princess either. She's a princess. And <laughs> 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 you can't see me sticking out my tongue, but I am. <laughs> um, he w I went to open a door for a woman in Seattle, and she said, oh. "Don't do that." Mm -hmm. There are some yes. women who and, will and take he, a bit. And he was like, "What?" 
Right. But there's absolutely people that expect it and don't want it. And I think that catalyst is a great example of conflict because right. that will tell us everything about our hero and our heroine that we need to know. Right. Point blank. And don't use that for your first chapter but because now we've told you and everybody's going to do it. But, like, that would be a great opening scene. Right. Um, that moment of conflict, and it is minimal conflict, but again, it is going to show, which is key, showing versus telling mm-hmm. who your characters are. Point. I think it's pretty easy to find in almost each chapter something small like that. And that's the stuff that really adds the richness to your book. The is Yeah, the texture is those small opportunities to really explore your character's personalities and their desires and where they're not perfectly aligned with with their, you know, heroine heroine if you're if you're writing romance or whatever. Um there's just abundant opportunity to look for those small things that can really add richness to your book. And one of the things that I see that I don't like in new writers or writers that aren't at a certain level. Seasoned. Seasoned. That's a great way to put it. Um, is that they tell their desires. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to tell the character's desires. Uh, a reader doesn't want you to tell their desires. At least not right away. Mm-hmm. Even worse. They tell you and then they show you. <laughs> oh, so, yes. The re- so, redundancy factor. Yes. The Department of Redundancy Department. Yes. <laughs> So so they have someone walk into a room and they say she was upset and then they have her throw something up in the air to show that oh, she's upset. And so you painful. have showing and telling the same thing that's in the funny. same paragraph. Yeah. And in case you missed it, they might do it again. And they throw some exclamation points in there. Right. <laughs> One thing that I like to say to folks who I'm working with on developing their stories or developing their characters is that if you think of your characters as um, and how you're introducing them to people, think of it like you're at a cocktail party. You don't immediately know everything there is to know about that person. And so there's no point in blurting it all out that this is who they are and this is where they come from you get to know them bit by bit throughout the story and it's through these little interfaces between characters where you really start to see who they are on the inside and I always think that's super fascinating there's old school crazy sauce romance where um it doesn't quite work that way but (laughs) well and and I think it depends on the genre because I think I've seen it in eroticism and erotica and erotic um, where they are, are banging and telling each other who they are immediately. Okay. And I'm like, okay, while that is a hot fantasy, mm-hmm. and if that's what you run it right, great. Right. But we're really talking about, like, mainstream genre fiction, nonfiction, great characters versus erotic and erotica, which is more physicality than mm-hmm. it is story-based. Mm-hmm. And I, no judgment. I think it's great whatever you want to write is great we support that but again we're coming at it from a general fiction non-fiction point of view and i would say that all of the things that we're saying about character and about character development and about story arc do apply to non-fiction as well you want to apply the same things to your memoir as you would to your uh fiction because 
people need the same tension. They need the same storytelling. They want, you don't want to tell them the story of your life. You want to tell them the story of an experience you had. And you want to do it in the way that you would tell a story about a character you've made up. Right. And that's, I mean, that's a really interesting point, Claire. And, she, and Claire and I have taught classes about memoir where we've talked about how even if you're writing this very factual story of your life, if you don't engage people in the character arc in some way, then it's it's flat. It's flat. It's absolutely. Yeah. And it's perfectly, I mean, if I'm going to talk about my grandmother, I am going to talk about the fact that her favorite phrase was, quit your ballin', which should be a really immediate <laughs> introduction to her character, you know, like uh, instead of... I could describe her as an 80-pound bag of beef jerky, or I could show her as this, you know... I think you should kind of do both, because that's pretty amazing. <laughs> I, I, like the, I like that show, that description of that character. Yes, yes. But, like, even in my memoir, it would be this person who, even though she's on the surface like this, I can show her growth over time as being very warm and caring. Absolutely. Or at least I could if that had been real life, but... Well, if she... <laughs> Had a character I knew about. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, and that's the truth. I mean, but that's that's true. Like, even in real life, that's what we're all invested in is the growth of people that we know, right? You know, it's kind of funny that you say bag of jerky and you're talking about women <laughs> becoming powerhouses. Um, that is definitely a, a trope that is going on right now. And I'm, oh, yeah. I'm a huge fan of it. I think that, um, obviously, I'm a little bit of a feminist. I, I would say that I'm moderate, though, so we, so we totally understand each other. Um, is that... Women start out as submissive, pleasing creatures, and we become these powerhouses, and especially in romance. And that is one of those things that I write in in my books, and I love it. I love mm -hmm. it because I think that you can still have that softness. I think that you can still have that feminine quality and still be a powerhouse. And oh, absolutely. it doesn't resonate with everyone, but that is a really great trope. Now, that being said, I think that you need to be careful that they don't become a bag of jerky. <laughs> I think that um, something that I'm exploring in my writing and that I see happening more and more, you know, it's funny, I talk about old school romance and I'll be straight up. I love all genres, but I have a soft spot for romance um, because I started reading when I was very young. And um, in a lot of the old school romance, you had these characters who really were perfect and, and were flowers of delicacy and all of this stuff. And what I love about some of the modern romance and where I'm trying to go with my own writing is really, truly flawed characters. People who just are not perfect. Because in real life, we get to a point where we realize, you know, we have a lot of flaws. And for some of us, that takes longer than others. But you get to this point. You realize that you have a lot to work on. And I think there's nothing sexier than a pair of people who realize that they are not perfect, that they are flawed, and that together they can grow and overcome some of those flaws. I think that makes for a really compelling romance. A and, compelling and story of any Absolutely. Kind. Yeah. I, uh, specific to romance, we are told to write characters that are younger, mm. mm -hmm. um, that are late 20s, early 30s, very typical of the, of the um, genre. And I think what we're talking about, just so, so you all know, uh, Claire or Claire is a little bit older than we are, but not much. I'm the, she's I'm in the... her forties. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think with that, um, with our perspective and what Melanie was saying is that there's a certain maturity that comes with love and mm -hmm. with romance and with characters and the self actualization that happens. 
And that needs to be reflected in whatever genre you write, mm-hmm. is this maturity. And, and maybe they don't start out there, but they get there. Right. And even in YA, mm-hmm. even in NA, mm-hmm. even in children's fiction, you can call it maturity, you can call it whatever you want, but there is this self-actualization, this realization that, hey, I need to change. And one of the things that comes with that is, and that people will talk about is series. Mm-hmm. And how do we bring a character through a whole series with a character arc? And I think that's an important thing to say and, mm-hmm. and talk about, just because a lot of these series are three to six books long. Um, and how do you have a character arc in each one of these books? You know, and I know that from my perspective, I write I write six book series now, which is cool, but like, it is hard. Mm-hmm. It's very hard. They've already gone through X. So how do you make X to Y and Y to Z? Mm-hmm. And okay, now we're at Z. So do we start over at A, you know? And, and the thing is, what we've really hammered on, and I'm kind of proud of, is people continually change. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. That's and, huge. Oh, yeah. And, and I think that we forget that. I think that the, the story goes with happily ever after and the story's over, especially in romance or whatever. Um, but there's a story after the story. There's a story that comes from, well, hey, now I'm a powerhouse. How do I deal with the power shift, the power mm-hmm. dynamic shift, the hierarchy shift. How do I... The cultural shift. The cultural shift. The Yeah, the monetary shift. All of these yep. things that come with this. And so then she has to come back to her center, find who she really is. And that's book two. Mm-hmm. You know, and then book three is learning to... You know, I mean, there's so many options you can go with this. And I, I say her generally. It can be any gender. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to find those personality flaws no matter where your character is at and everyone has them no one is perfect I would like you to come up with one person that you're like oh my gosh Mother Teresa even Mother Teresa had flaws she was human she was absolutely human if you read her biography Elon Musk tons of flaws amazing person Mm -hmm. um so yeah I mean find those those that areas of texture and richness in your characters and really really bring those forward Mm mm-hmm and you are correct. Correct. It doesn't have to be between in your twenties or thirties. We just did a book from a woman who wrote about a little girl in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the little girl in the wheelchair got tired of being a cheerleader on the sidelines for her friends. Mm-hmm. So she organized her own wheelchair or wheel race. It could have been bicycles or anything, and she re- actually organized the race, and she nearly won it. It would have been just a little too cute if she'd actually won. <laughs> yeah. It was giving her more to grow on in her next yes, book. Exactly. But it was for a 12-year-old that was a huge feat. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. I think if you just consider your characters to be human, um God forbid anybody judge me for what I said 10 years ago or 5 <laughs> years ago or even 1 year ago. You know, we but all Watch out for today, lady. Watch out for today. You can judge me on what I said today. <laughs> I'll stand by it. <laughs> Tomorrow. Tomorrow. We'll, the next day, don't ask. We'll reconsider. <laughs> but I mean, that's the truth, is that every single day is a day to grow and think of your characters in the same way, that they are always faced with challenges and opportunities to grow and to learn and to become better people. And that is the arc of your story. And that is a beautiful way to put it. Thank you both. Yes, All absolutely. Right. And I, I hope our listeners have enjoyed what we've said today and continue to follow us. We're going to expand more on everything books. We'll keep talking. We talk about everything publishing. If you have any specific questions, feel free to reach out to us. Otherwise, we'll just keep making stuff up. 
<laughs> Talk to you guys later. Bye bye. If you have enjoyed this episode of the Everything Publishing Podcast, please reach out to us at selfpublishingservices at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media at sp underscore services, or you can check out our website at selfpublishingservices.com. We'd love it if you'd stick around. We have lots more episodes planned, and we'd love to get to know what you want us to cover. Have a great day, and I wish you productive writing.